Well, Razorback fans, the 2024 schedule has officially been released. How pumped up and excited, how great it is. But is it actually great? All right, well, we'll talk about it on today's Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I'm also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 103.7 The Buzz. Com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets after winning any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Hope everybody's having a wonderful, I guess, Thursday at the recording of this podcast. So we're getting a little behind, but doing an extra special little podcast on Saturday. So there'll be you know, a little different scheduling and everything. But still... Um, we're going to get into some of the uh, transfer portal news for Arkansas and give you some updates on that. But as much as that has really been dominating the news for Razorback fans, and rightfully so, because you still want to know who's coming in, who's leaving, any sort of uh, drama surrounding that and everything. Well, finally, we get the Arkansas Razorback schedule for the 2024 season. We already knew who Arkansas was playing. And now we get to know when they're playing these teams. And we're going to go through just the schedule and give some reactions to it. But let me first off say that I feel like there's not really many ways that you can be happy about every schedule. And that's where I'm not trying to give an excuse or anything like that. But I could not imagine how the toughness of trying to have a uh, schedule of eight games with 16 SEC teams and trying to make everyone happy. Now, I know that Arkansas gets screwed over pretty much every year. Just got to get used to it. But it is a pretty difficult thing to do. And I think with Arkansas' schedule overall, is it the best? No. Do I have some problems with it? Yes. But overall, I think it's whatever. So let's go through it. Some of the games that we already knew about. Arkansas, UAPB, in Little Rock, August 31st. This is the second to last game that will be played at War Memorial Stadium. I think we're all very thankful for that. And it will be hot once again. Hopefully in this game, they have a better, just a better setup than what it was this past year in War Memorial Stadium because that was miserable for everyone, literally everyone. So we already knew about that game. That's August 31st. And then the next Saturday, Arkansas goes on the road to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Um, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'll say like a bias or whatever, but this has been a game that for me should be played a lot more often than it has in the history of Arkansas and Oklahoma state. Like the fact that these two teams never faced each other since Arkansas joined the sec, especially has been stupid. Like Ar- like Fayetteville and Stillwater are what two and a half, three hours apart and on, on their campuses. You know, not a whole lot of campuses are close to Arkansas, but Oklahoma State is one of them. And so the fact that it's taken this long to, for that to happen, whatever. So we know that is going to be on the road and should be interested in Stillwell. There's still water. Then the next week is Arkansas's very first game in Fayetteville, UAB. Okay, UAB, great. 
Don't know really much about them right now. I know that they almost did not have a football program a couple years ago because they kind of tried to shut it all down. But that's week three. So we already knew about those games. Already knew that was going to happen. Now we get into the SEC slate. Arkansas's first SEC game is on the road to Auburn. Okay. A few things here. You know, we talk about how Arkansas, when they played LSU, it just didn't seem right the fact that they had that game in September because you got so used to having it in the month of November. And there's kind of a same thing here for Auburn. Auburn, to me, has always, always, always been an October game. In fact, when it was in November this past year, it even kind of felt a little weird. Arkansas played Auburn in, I believe it was September, yeah, because they played them the first week of the season, first game of the season, uh, when they went on the road to Auburn in 2014, and Arkansas lost pretty handedly, but that's their first SEC game, is opening up against Auburn on the road. So it was one of your last games this past year. Now you're going on the road. It's your first SEC game. Okay. And we also knew about week five, Texas A&M being in Arlington. This will be the final game against Texas A&M in Arlington. Um, that doesn't mean that's going to be the final game for Arkansas ever in Arlington. It doesn't mean that they won't play again, but this is going to be, of the contract year, the final one. So... Looking at it for that, because that's the month of September and, of course, the first game being in August, the first five games of the year. This is where my problem and my issue come into play. Of your first five games of the season, you play one game in Fayetteville. Five weeks, one game in Fayetteville against UAB. Man, okay. Now, it's not to say that Arkansas is not at fault for some of this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not because we know that the game in Little Rock and the game in Arlington is what throws this all into a wrench. Now, if the game was not in Arlington, it would be at AM because technically AM is going to be the road team in this matchup in this final year. So that part of it wouldn't matter. But you would have been able to at least have two of the five games in Fayetteville was one for the game in Little Rock. Or, who knows, maybe the schedule would have been given to you in a different light. Maybe you would have opened with a home game in SEC play instead of going down to A&M and, and having all that. But that's just the most, it, it's kind of like what it was this past year, too. The uh, But even last year, you had two games in the opening, I guess two of the first three games that were in Fayetteville. And you had BYU in Fayetteville. And it was a night game, like at least it made it for that, but... You're talking about for the full month of September, like the first, I mean, almost half the season, almost half the season until you get a game in Fayetteville that's not a UA, that's not a non conference team. And also, just one, your second game in Fayetteville will be in the month of October. That's absurd. I'm ready for that to go away, and it will be soon. So, there's that. Okay, so now we move on to the first game of the SEC slate in Fayetteville, the first home game in Fayetteville, and it's October 5th birthday weekend uh, against Tennessee. All right. I like that. You know, in Arkansas and Tennessee have a lot of history going up against each other, especially in the late nineties, early two thousands. felt like that should have been a game and a series that should have kept going, but uh, I think it's going to be fun. Tennessee's going to, I don't know how ten good Tennessee's going to be, but they're going to be a good team. You know, like I don't feel like they're going to be a team that misses a bowl game. They're probably going to be anywhere between a seven to nine win team next year. So It'll be a really good matchup and a really good test. And then you hit the bye week. So you play six games, bye week. It's 
Perfect. Especially because you get two bye weeks this year because of how the calendar sets up. So Arkansas then has October 12th as their bye week. And we always know how important it is to have a bye week before important matchups. And Arkansas, in their bye week, they play, after their bye week, play LSU at home. So think about that. You go through half your season. I'm not even going to try to predict what Arkansas's record is going to be because I have no idea even what the teams are going to look like at this point because of the transfer portal. But you get your bye week before LSU, who arguably might be, actually, I don't think it might. They're going to be at least the second best team you play next year on your schedule. And you get them at home, and you get a bye week before them. That's a huge break. It's a huge break. So the battle for the Golden Boot happens on October 19th at home. Then you go on the road the next week to Mississippi State. That's in week nine in Starkville. No surprise there. Then after that, you come back home to play Ole Miss November 2nd. All right, so LSU at home at Mississippi State, Ole Miss at home. The good old-fashioned old SEC West and some of the great games there. Nice little stretch. We know LSU is going to be good. We know Ole Miss is going to be good. I have no idea what Mississippi State's going to look like in their first year with Jeff Levy as their head coach, but still a solid stretch there. Then you get a bye week again, and I love, and I think that that's great for Arkansas to have their bye week right then because you go through a three-game stretch in the SEC, two games are at home, get it, but it's going to be a tough, tough stretch. I mean, you're in the SEC. There's always going to be some tough stretches. That's a tough one, but because your two toughest games in that stretch being at home, that's very beneficial because you get your bye week and then you play Texas at home, November 6th, 16th. So then you're talking about a bye week before you play Texas at home. I'm a huge fan of that. Huge fan of that because I believe Texas is going to be the best team on the schedule next year. And as I just mentioned about LSU, they're the second best team. So before the week before the first and second best teams on your schedule, you get a bye week. That's huge. I like the placement of the bye week. I like it being later in the season, especially. And the fact that you're playing Texas there in November, they're going to be a good team. They're going to be fighting for something. And then after that, on November 23rd, you play Louisiana Tech at home in your non-conference, final non-conference game, and then you finish the season on the road against Missouri. So that's the official schedule for Arkansas and the timing of it. Um, my thoughts very quickly, as I mentioned, I know it's tough to put together a good schedule and it makes everybody happy. And I'm not saying that you got to make everyone happy because it's never going to happen. But if it, if you just, my only complaint is having one game in Fayetteville in your first five games. And again, I know that that's not necessarily like the SEC screwing over Arkansas. Arkansas is kind of screwing themselves over a little bit because two of their games every single year are away from Fayetteville and Arlington and in course Little Rock. So there's only so much they can do. There's only so much blame you could throw on the SEC for doing that. Uh, you could have maybe switched around a few things, but uh, there's only so much you can do. But overall, I think that it's a, for, we knew the teams already. So, but the, the timing of the scheduling and everything I think is great. I think you could not ask for better because if, if you could find a way, just find a way to be like three and two, in your first five games where you only had one game in Fayetteville, which you should beat UAPB, you should beat UAB. I said, should. You should beat those teams. At Oklahoma State, at Auburn, and at Texas A&M. So Texas A&M's got a brand new coach. I have no idea how Mike is going to be. Hugh Freeze at Auburn, that's going to be a tough game. Probably, I think that'll probably be the toughest game of the stretch there. And then Oklahoma State on the road in the second game of the season. We have no idea what Oklahoma State's going to be like. I mean, they're going to be the team that 
you know, can win the Big 12, or are they going to be the team that lost to Sam Houston State or whoever it was last year? So who knows? But if you can go three and two in that first five games, it sets you up perfectly for the rest of the year to have a good, good, solid season. So, uh, but yeah, there's a schedule. I like it all right. It could be in a lot worse, but it should be for, uh, great for some home games, for some tailgating, and hopefully just Arkansas is very competitive in it. That's the, that to me is going to be the, the most important thing. Uh, we'll give you an update, though, on the transfer portal here in just a second. But, folks, first I got to tell you, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers continue to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any five winning dollar money bet, money line bet. And that's $150. Bucks. It's just if your team wins. It's very simple like that. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, transfer portal updates. Everyone loves those, right? 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 Of course you do. Uh, and here's the thing. As far as at the time of the recording of this podcast, boy, if I had a nickel for every time I had to say that, but just trying to clear it up because I remember last year when I was recording some podcasts and I would put up something, and after I put it up, there'd be a player that entered into the portal or Arkansas got a player, and then in the comment section would be like, oh, did you just not like, did you just forget about this guy? Well, obviously, are you, do you even read Twitter? Yeah, thanks. That's why I have to say that. Anyways... Uh, there hasn't really been any updates as far as anyone jumping into the portal or being out of the portal into Arkansas or anything like that. Uh, the only thing that I will throw in, though, because I know, again, it's been a couple of days since I was able to uh, do this podcast. But one deal was with uh, Gregory Genros, I think is how you say his name. He was that Juco tight end commitment that committed like two weeks ago. Well, he decommitted. <laughs> so... Uh, I didn't think it was funny because it almost gave me a Varkis Gums vibes for him. Like, eh, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm committed, but then I'm not committed. And I don't have a problem with stuff like this because people are just be like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, all that. Maybe. But, you know, also maybe because of how full this tight end room looks and is at this point in time, maybe Gregory is just like, man, I don't, I, you know, I really want to go in there and try to compete against, you know, four bona fide dudes. Or maybe I just go somewhere else where I can have a better shot at being the guy immediately. So I don't have any problem with it. Um, it was just funny that uh, that happens anytime you see a commitment than a decommitment uh, at that position. And then the other one was is that another offensive lineman, retro freshman offensive lineman, Joey Sua, entered into the transfer portal. So uh, I don't even think he played. If he did, I don't remember. But uh, he was a big old guy, too. He was from Bentonville. Uh, he was 6'4", 346 pounds. Whew. So big old boy. Anyways, those are the only things that have changed for Arkansas in the transfer portal uh, since we last spoke. So nothing too crazy. However, there have been some visits that has been going on, like Georgia linebackers, Xavier uh, Sori, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, he was a four-star linebacker for Arkansas, uh, for Georgia, not for Arkansas. It would be nice if he comes to Arkansas. But he was a uh, four-star player. And we know that they've needed some linebackers desperately because they had, you know, Chris Paul, Manny Powell, Jordan Crook, all those guys enter into the portal. Uh, so this guy was uh, 
out of the state of Florida, went to IMG Academy. So you know that they've pr- uh, produced a lot of great players. But he's about 6'3", 220 pounds, and uh, decided that uh, after playing for Georgia, he wanted to take his talents elsewhere. He was on an official visit. It looked like it went pretty well for him. And uh, there'll be some other guys, too, as far as uh, visiting because it's, it's, I don't know. I just think it's funny where, you know, it's this whole new recruiting season and transfer forward. It's, it's the same type of stuff. It's official visits. It's recruiting pitches. It's commitments, decommitments. I mean, it's all the same thing. And so it just makes me uh, laugh about that, like seeing how, how similar it is to it. Pretty much the same thing. So, um, but either way, I was uh, just, you know, looking at all of the, like possibilities of what people want and people, uh, you know, I want to add into the mix of certain other players. Cause like there's another linebacker I saw according to Hawk sports or 24, seven sports.com that uh, Bradley Shaw, who's a Hoover, Alabama top prospect. He's another linebacker too. And apparently Arkansas and Clemson are the two that are into the mix. So that would be nice, at least from the freshman side of things. He's a four-star player. He had offers to not only Arkansas, but Clemson, Alabama, Auburn, and Notre Dame. Seems pretty good. Not bad. 6'1", 216 pounds. So uh, that'd be really cool if Arkansas could find a way to to nail him and get him into the mix. Sounded bad. Don't cut that. Uh, But uh, So, yeah, they're trying to work on some guys and and get them on recruiting visits and everything. But, you know, it's still still got a long time before it ends up getting uh, official for any of these guys joining. But I still want to see some linebackers for sure. Arkansas needs some of those badly. I uh, need some linebackers. I've been hearing, and I'm not trying to be this guy, but I've just been hearing, I'm, like I'm sure saw a lot of you, there's going to be some big news here this week or later this week, which I guess it's Thursday, so this is later in the week. But there's going to be some big news from the portal for Arkansas in a good way as far as them adding someone into the mix. So that'll be nice. But I uh, also wanted to say, and I didn't really do a whole segment on it because I didn't think it was worth it, but Rocket Sanders, former Razorback, ended up transferring to South Carolina. And... You know, it's one of those deals where Justin Stepp is still there, a guy who was recruiting for Arkansas and recruited Rocket Sanders because he was the wide receivers coach at Arkansas. He's a great recruiter. Rocket played wide receiver when he was in high school, so it made sense. Um, but he's going to South Carolina. All right, that's fine. Uh, you know, I have no problem with that. I have no issue with that. They probably won't play each other unless they meet in the SEC title game, which I think we all agree it's probably not going to happen. But either way, I was uh, you know, happy for him, whatever. Hopefully he does well or you know, whatever. Anyways, it's like a, some South Carolina, Arkansas connection now with coaches and players and everything. It keeps happening. It's kind of weird either way, folks. Uh, we'll talk about the excitement from the portal and why you should or should not get excited at certain cases. Well, but I got to tell you though, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. You know, LinkedIn isn't just another job board. And LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have the time or resources to hire people. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. You are Locked On Razorbacks, 
your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, you know, I was thinking about the transfer portal and everything and thinking about Arkansas and their ways of having it in the transfer portal and, you know, discussing you know, who's good, who's not good. And one of the things that I feel like was interesting is looking at the players that you can get from major big-time schools that are transferring out or players that you can get from small D2 schools. And I think we can all agree that the excitement more so than anything comes from when you get a player from a big school to transfer in. For example, when Arkansas got Drew Sanders, that was a huge get. When they got Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, that was a huge get. When they got um, Landon Jackson and Dwight McLaughlin from LSU, those were huge gets. Um, and that happens when you get them from big-time schools, even though some of them maybe didn't play, uh, which those guys played. But say, you know, if you get a backup from Georgia, a backup linebacker at Georgia, they didn't play that much. There's still a level of excitement because you're like, well, man, if he was good enough to have a scholarship and be on the team of a college football playoff contending team uh, the years that he was there, then surely he's good enough to play at Arkansas, which there's some truth to that. But then it's also where you get some of the players from the smaller schools or from the D2, whatever it may be, non-Power 5, that doesn't trigger the same excitement. There may be some people that try to twist it into their minds of giving them reasons to be excited about it. But overall, it doesn't really translate the same level of excitement. And it's always a question of why is that? Well, in this particular case, I think back to where, you know what, it can happen in both cases. You had a guy like John Ridgway from a small school, came in, and was dominant. An extremely, extremely gifted defensive lineman, plays in the NFL, and really was a game changer on a D-line that was pretty terrible, like, as far as depth and everything. Like, they didn't have anybody, but he was able to make it uh, really, really work out for them. Came from a small school. I think, uh, like, Matt Landers. I know he came from Toledo, and he was at Georgia before, but still came from a smaller school and people were always wondering like how, you know, how level of good can he be? You know, what type of difference maker can he be? And then, you know, all the wide receivers that Arkansas has returning essentially this year, Andrew Armstrong, uh, you know, think about him and where he came from Texas A&M commerce. Think about Isaac Tesla coming from, uh, I guess that small school in Michigan. You know, we didn't, I still believe we didn't get a chance to really see them in action as much as we would have liked, but you know, what was it all about? You know, what was it all is, he, is how, how good can he be? How next level good can he be? Hopefully we get to see that up in this upcoming year because we know the Bobby Vitrino's offense, you, he's going to make sure those wide receivers work and he's going to make sure that they work hard and he's going to make sure that they get it going. But the point is, is like, when do you get excited about Portal? Is it only when you get players from big schools? Is it when you get any players? Is it only when you get players that you looked at their offer list or teams that they were talking to? And if there's big schools that they were talking to, then therefore they're an exciting get. Now, my thing is, is I, I believe that you can find players from all over the place in different ways. You can find diamonds in the rough at small schools, and you can also find backups that may not have been utilized or may not have been appreciated enough at big schools to come in and be great. That can 100% happen. Both cases can happen. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to field a team with quality depth. 
And so looking at Arkansas, for instance, you know, we keep talking about it last year. You know, people may say that the portal was terrible for Arkansas last year. You know, those players that they got out of the portal really didn't do much. They weren't that good, blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, I, I continue to look at it. It's like, guys, the talent level was not the issue last season. <laughs> the talent was there. I think that offensive line-wise may not have been. But the, the talent was there to, to have a team that at least went to a bowl game. I think we can all agree there to at minimum go six and six. There was enough talent there. And because of that, it's hard for me to say that, oh, the transfer portal was so bad last year. So far, I think Sam Pittman has done a good job with getting guys out of the transfer portal. I think he's had some game-changing players. Like, you think about defense this past season, one of the biggest differences, if not the biggest difference, of why you were able to be such a solid defense and improved defense from the year before is because of the transfer portal. So I think it's done Arkansas some good so far. But they got to continue to build on it. they got to continue to get it. And they got to continue to just have quality depth in there. And we all know that this is Sam Pittman's biggest year. Can he feel the team? Can he put together a team that uh, is in the portal and can get guys that can go to the next level? I think so. But he's got to prove it. He's got to work at it. they got to get better from it. Appreciate everybody listening in to Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter, Buzz John Neighbors. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.